Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Joining me today is a very special guest. She is the person whom everything runs through at the museum I work at. She's the executive director's assistant. So she knows all the ins and outs of the museum and what's going on. But it's Dana Robinson, and she's here to tell us her life story growing up in Oklahoma. So, Dana, say hi to my Five listeners. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. So uh, Dana is a huge sci-fi lover. And if things work out, she's going to be on later on to talk about sci-fi over the summer. If, yeah. If it works out. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. So I guess we can go ahead and get on. Or get moving, I mean, why don't you uh, start out? Because uh, I know you've said you kind of grew up in a, if I remember correctly, a smaller Oklahoma town and just sort of tell us your experiences um, growing up there. Well, I grew up in Altus, Oklahoma, which is in the southwest corner of Oklahoma, um, about 10 miles from the Texas border. And uh, it's an Air Force-based town, so there's a little bit of a mix of every type of ethnicity mm-hmm. down there, but it is predominantly white. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I'd probably say about 94%, I think is what it was last time I looked it up. Mm-hmm. And so I moved there when I was a year and a half old, so 18 months old, and left when I was 18 years old. <laughs> so, and I have not been back for quite a few years, but probably the same. Yeah. (laughs) Actually a little worse, but (laughs) well, yeah, yeah. It is Oklahoma. So (laughs) yeah. Cause I mean, one year there was a a really bad ice storm. So they cut down almost all the trees in town. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So it's, it looks very bare now. (laughs) Yeah. And the slowest trees grow here in Oklahoma. You know, exactly. Just being in a drought right now, it'll be yep. a long time before there's trees there again. <laughs> so, so what? Trying to figure out how to word. I probably should have wrote questions down ahead of time. <laughs> um, so, a lot of times in sort of the South and everything, growing up uh, black in a small town can be problematic. But I know you said you didn't have anything like that. Could you sort of just talk about your experience? Well, I mean, me growing up the way I did, like my parents are, I don't really want to say well-educated, but my dad was in the Air Force. Um, He never went to college, but he still had a, what's the word, a a sight or an outlook on life and how you're supposed to live it. Mm -hmm. And then my mom, she finished almost all of college, almost got her bachelor's degree. She's three credits shy. 
of getting her bachelor's. She needs to but go she back. doesn't she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to be defined by her degree. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but growing up with my parents was from what I learned now, different than most uh black families. Well, I want I don't want to say most, but the stereotypical black family, I guess you could say. So most of my friends growing up were uh, were white. I barely had any black friends because of the, in my, in my opinion, it's because of the way that I carry myself, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Um, like for a background on me, I am uh, 30% uh, white, like European mm-hmm. ancestry, but then I'm also black, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, two types of Native American. My dad has Cherokee on his side, and my mom has Blackfoot on her side. Mm-hmm. So nice plethora, <laughs> right? So complexion-wise, I'm lighter than most of the people I was around in school. Mm-hmm. And my hair is also a different texture, and so the girls didn't really like me because I was light-skinned and had the good hair, you know, mm-hmm. in quotes. <laughs> um, and then the guys always thought that I was stuck up. So I just never hung around that group of people. And the majority of black people in, I don't really want to say in that area, but the majority of the people that I went to high school with didn't really care about school. Um, they, I know a lot of them have ended up in jail. It was just, they were just different than I was. Mm-hmm. So my mom, she used to work at a bank. And so she knew like all the police officers in town. And so I'm like, you know, that's cool. But I know from experience that most of the black people in Altus were getting harassed by the police. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, my mom gave them, you know, once I started driving, my mom gave them my license plate so they could keep an eye on me, make sure I wasn't getting any trouble, which I was a nerd. So I never got in any trouble anyway. <laughs> but with that outlook that the growing up with the outlook that, you know, police are friends, I never really had a problem with them. You know, if mm-hmm. I got pulled over for like a taillight being out, I'm just like, oh, what's the problem? I'm not going to get defensive and think the first thing or have the first thought that the police is just harassing me mm-hmm. or it's because of my color or, you know, anything of that nature. So today, you know, I was talking to my boyfriend and he was like, yeah, I would never go up to a police officer and just tap him on the shoulder to ask for directions or something. He's like, that's just mm-hmm. a big no, no. Yeah. And I'm like, and I just don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I just, I, I don't feel like I had the same outlook um, that, that a lot of black people today have. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, real quick, did you guys live on Altus Air Force Base at, at any time I, and then move off base or? Yes. My dad was in the military until um, right. I was in fourth grade. Okay. So starting in fifth grade, we moved off base. Okay. So um and the black friends that I did have were the ones that I met back in elementary school, like before fourth grade, mm-hmm. who I'm actually still friends with today, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but growing up, my parents never really taught me about, I guess, black culture or black history or mm-hmm. anything. So basically, the only thing that I knew was what I learned in school. So, like, mm-hmm. for instance, for Black History Month, we learned about Martin Luther King, right. um, George Washington Carver, uh, Frederick Douglass. And Harriet Tubman. That was it. That's standard <laughs> for right. Yeah, for Oklahoma. Well, probably a good chunk of the South too. But exactly. And so I feel like I grew up naive to mm-hmm. to what was happening in the world. Right. And just recently, my dad told me a story from his childhood growing up in Virginia, 
that when he was probably about five, six years old, they would have at night, they would have to turn all the lights off and pretend like nobody was there because he would watch the KKK marching down his street, holding um, axes and torches and um, nooses. Exactly. And his mom, my grandmother would just be like, be very quiet. Don't make any sounds. They'll pass by and we'll just get on with our lives. That's awful. <laughs> what exactly. A, and, what and, a and that's not, and that's something I never memory. learned until. Yeah. And that's not something I learned until I was about 30 or, you know, well, 35 years old. And I'm just like, why don't you, why did, why did you guys never talk to my parents? Why did you guys never um, tell us about these things? Mm-hmm. And they just, they didn't want us to worry. They didn't want us to have that outlook on anybody, I guess. Right. And yeah. just grow up and form our own opinions about the world. Yeah, that still had to be a, uh, I don't know, a difficult decision to make, though, as a parent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, both of my parents were raised religious, um, you know, like in the church five days a week. Mm-hmm. But with me and my siblings, my brother and my sister, we ne- we were never baptized. We were never mm-hmm. said, oh, you need to go to this church. They left that option up to us that if we're old, whenever we get old enough and we want to be baptized, then we can do it. Hmm. And so as a kid, I went to, I think, five different churches, and hmm. but, but both of my parents are Baptist. But I sang in the Methodist choir when I was a kid, just because my friend went, so I wanted to check it out. Right. So they, they kind of just left everything up to us to learn for ourselves. And your parents are kind of progressive sounding, oddly, in a, they, in a way, kind of, kind of more modern than uh, viewpoint than sort of for the time that you would have been a kid. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they just realized how their childhood was and didn't want to put that on us. Right. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's commendable. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's a difficult well, decision because as you know, you're a parent. So. Yes. But if you talk to my dad, he's definitely not super aggressive. Uh, right. he's, definitely his, he's definitely got his old school ways. <laughs> Just, just in his parenting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming you, your dad retired from the Air Force, or did he just get yes, out when you were in fourth grade? Um, he retired in '94. Um, okay. But as soon as he retired, he started working for Boeing, which is still in the mm-hmm. Air Force base. Yeah. Um, and so he was the supervisor for the flight simulators. Mm-hmm. Um, he did that for about 15 years, and then he left there and then went back to the flight lines um, as a hydraulics engineer. And he did that up until maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. So now he's fully retired due to health issues, but yeah. right. Yeah. My dad was also retired air force. My yeah. stepmom's retired air force. My dad retired mm-hmm. in 87, 88, something like that. I was in ninth grade when he retired. <laughs> I was three years old. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, I grew up on Tinker, so I, too, you know, lived on the military base, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always enjoyed it. I liked living on base. Yeah, the and, neighborhoods were nice, you know, yeah. getting to know all the neighborhood, the Air Force kids and stuff. Yeah. On the other hand, there is the network of parents, and if you screw up, your parents are going to know about before you get home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's like that in a small town, too, so... Yes. It was double for you, Altus yes. and the Air Force Base. <laughs> Definitely. So, well, that's that's really cool, though. I mean, it's great to hear the non, you know, worst case scenario from somebody growing up. And yeah. for anybody, that's always good that you had a happy childhood, <laughs> you know, yes. and it wasn't yes. full of uh, craziness. 
So were you always a nerd into sci-fi? When did that start for you? And was that something your parents gave you? Um, my dad is really into sci-fi. Um, my mom, not so much. <laughs> so I feel like I've learned a lot from my dad. Like he'll be like, oh, you need to watch this show or you need to learn about this space program or, you know, just anything. Because my dad, since my dad was in the Air Force, you know, he started gravitating towards um, rockets and, you know, space flights and mm-hmm. Um, even just knowing about stars, planets, nebulas, you know, mm-hmm. different galaxies, he's still all into that to this day. And he will read anything that he can on anything scientific, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually getting into um, like TV shows and films and such, probably not until college. Okay. Um, I mean, like I watched, you know, Star Wars when I was younger and loved it. And my dad was a, is a big Trekkie. So I've seen um, the original Star Trek, um, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really know what got me started, but I guess it would probably be my dad with his Star Trek stuff. And it just kind of blossomed from there. You know, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was, I always liked, you know, sci-fi and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. See, when we were stationed at Dias Air Force Base, one of the, you know, the UHF channels showed reruns of Star Trek from like, mm-hmm. think like 4.30 to 5.30. And if I got my homework done, I was allowed to watch Star Trek. <laughs> and so that was sort of where the, my love of Star Trek started. But oh, nice. Anyway, so uh, where, did you, where did you go to school? Let's get that since you mentioned uh, college. Yes. So after I graduated from Altus, um, I actually didn't know I was going to go to college until April of my senior year. Wow. And I was just like, I got to get out of this town. So (laughs) my sister, she went to Swasu in Weatherford. So I was like, "Ah, I'll just try that one. And I got in. Cool. (laughs) So it wasn't really a big plan for me. Didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started, I mean, I enjoyed uh, psychology in high school. So I went in as a psychology major at Swasu. Okay. That lasted about two years and then I started getting bored. And so I was like, I need to find something else. So I had taken um, psychological statistics and I was like, I love this. So then I became a business major for an entire semester (laughs) Um, and took business stats. And I was like, you know what? I don't really care about the business side, but I like the math side. So then I became a math major, Um, math major, statistics minor, Um, did well until I got to calculus. And so I was like, all right, calculus is not for me. So let's change again. So then I went into the art. Yeah. (laughs) So then I went to the art department where I changed my major to general art, 3D art, 2D art, graphic design, and art history. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to do this either because I have been drawing since I was probably about eight years old. And the classes that they were teaching seemed so basic that I felt like I was in middle school all over again. And I was like, I don't want to pay for this. Right. So that uh, between art and my next major, um, I almost decided to join the military um, because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So maybe if I join the military, then, you know, I can learn a trade there and just go from there in life. Mm -hmm. But the summer that I was looking into going into the military, my university had a play 
um, of Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. And I went and saw that and I was so fascinated by the set design that that next semester I signed up to be a theater major. Uh And so um, no acting. I can't act to save my life. Right. Um, But doing set designs, lighting designs, directing, all that stuff, all the background stuff is what I wanted to do. So you and Shay, my, uh, my coworker in Shippo, she also, I believe, is a uh, theater major. Really? Yeah, you guys should get together and talk theater, <laughs> talk <shop>. props. <laughs> <laughs> yes, talk props. Um, so, what year was that that um, you were in college or uh, years? 2000, uh, 2003 to 2010. Okay, so seven years to get my bachelor's. Uh, I still don't have mine, so. <laughs> um, but I. Well, but I was asking because if you had gone active duty, chances are you would have, you know, gone to Iraq or Afghanistan. That was sort of why I was uh, curious. True. Well, the I was going to join the National Guard. That didn't so. matter. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, they um, went almost more than active duty, so. Yeah, and so they were saying that you know it would be a possibility that I'd become an officer quickly because of my classes that I had, like the Mm -hmm. amount of hours that I'd taken. And so he was like, how many hours do you have the recruiter? And I was like 124. He goes, you have more than me and this guy put together. I think you'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, decided to go the artistic route and do theater instead. Oh yeah. Now I'm as an army veteran, I can say you probably made the right decision. (laughs) I don't, think being shot at is fun uh, no no I, I definitely would not have liked that yeah no i i don't blame you when i was in kuwait we'd go on um like uh, log packs where we were going from one part to another and my philosophy was if they start shooting i'm just gonna drive faster understandably so <laughs> that, that was me well mm. there are other reasons for that they only gave us 20 rounds of ammo. And I'm like, if they're attacking us, they're going to have more than 20 bullets on them. So I'm going to drive faster. (laughs) You can can give me your 20 rounds, but give me like 80 guns with each have 20 rounds in them. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) between me and the, the co-driver guy, there was, you know, a whole 40. Uh -uh. Yeah. No, could not imagine. Yeah, no. You made the right call, I believe. <laughs> and the fact that it took you seven years doesn't matter because you did it. So, yeah. And then after I graduated from Swasu, I went back to school through ITT Tech of all places <laughs> <laughs> and tried to get my degree in paralegal studies because I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I want something different. That lasted about a year. I figured if I'm going to fall asleep while reading cases, it's probably not a good sign. So. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like that at work. Exactly. Yeah. They tend to frown on nap time. Yes. Um, it should change. You should be able to take a nap at work. Um, I was going to go to graduate school. because um, So before ITT Tech and after I graduated Swasu, um, I had moved to Missouri because a girl that I graduated high school with had moved there after college. Mm-hmm. And she was looking for a roommate. So I was like, hey, we're best friends. Why not? Um, so I ended up moving to Warrensburg, Missouri. Okay, yeah. what's that an, an, uh, close an, to? Another <laughs> small town. Uh, it's like 45 minutes east of Kansas City. Okay. But the University of Central Missouri is there. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to live there for a year and then apply so that I could get in-state tuition. But right. 
things didn't work out and I only lasted 10 months <laughs> and then moved right back to Oklahoma. So do, is that when you moved to Oklahoma City or uh, Tulsa no. or what part of Oklahoma? Okay, so in, let's see. So I was in Weatherford for college, then moved to mm-hmm. Warrensburg and then moved to Norman. And I was there for maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I found a job posting for um, an administrative assistant at the Route 66 Museum in Clinton. So that okay. was my first yeah. Yeah. OHS um, job. Uh, I worked there for about a year and a half and then met somebody who was my son's father um, and then moved to Oklahoma City. I uh, was there for about a year and a half also-ish. Um, and then since I wasn't working after having my son, I was like, I need to find a job. So I ended up working back at the Route 66 Museum. So I moved back to Weatherford. Um, I never lived in Clinton, just in Weatherford. And then after about a year and a half again, things were not working out between me and my ex. So I ended up moving back to Altus for about three months and stayed with my dad. And then moved, after that, I moved to Moore and stayed with my mom. And I'm still in Moore now. So, but I have my own place. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, we've... Uh... Lived in Moore. My oldest daughter graduated from Moore High School. And then when, let's see, when my son, it was after his seventh grade year, we moved to the big town of Piedmont. Mm. So my youngest two graduated from Piedmont High School. But yeah, we lived in Moore for quite a number of years. My wife graduated from Westmore. Her sister graduated from Moore because there was no Westmore. Or mm-hmm. Southmore, dating ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Moore's, other than tornadoes, you know, Moore's not a bad place. Which I think since I've lived here, there haven't been any in Maybe my area anyway. Maybe. But mm-hmm. the year that Moore got hit really bad, this was probably like what, five, six years ago? I don't even remember. Where it, like the tornado the, hit the, hit the Warren and, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister-in-law, her dad was a teacher in one of the schools that got destroyed. Oh, wow. And yeah, but he survived with only a scratch on his arm. Well, I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, we have a friend that um, her daughter went to one of those schools mm-hmm. and she was a teacher at Moore High School. And so that was a pretty traumatic experience for oh, her. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Just seeing that whole thing. So, yeah. 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 Hopefully that. Uh, doesn't happen for a while. We don't need exactly. any more of those type of tornadoes. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so when was it you came to the History Center? It's been, what, five or six years now? Not that long. Really? Um, September, yeah. September will be three years. Oh, wow. I guess time flies when you're stuck in a cubicle. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that uh, long. Although your old office was better than where you are now. <laughs> I have windows now, so it's not too bad. Well, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. But you had more space in the end, in the other spot. I did. Yes. Yes, I did. Room to stretch yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. With all that space, though, I ended up gathering too much stuff around me. So it was just always messy. So oh. <laughs> I don't mind having smaller space. <laughs> Yeah, your uh, job is, I guess now you're on your second executive director since yep. Dr. Bob retired. And mm-hmm. Now we have Trait. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not a good or a bad thing. I'm just stating the facts. So later on, trade comes on. Um, I'm looking forward to it. He's going to talk about the uh, capital renovations nice. that he did because that was a massive, massive undertaking. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine the headache that he would have had from dealing with that. The fact that he yeah. still has hair is amazing. <laughs> and it's like not great or anything. He's just going, going, going. Yeah. 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 That's uh, that's for sure. For sure. So what has been your favorite part of working at the uh, history center? Cause it, it, if you've never worked in a museum, it's sort of a different world <laughs> in a way because yes. you do stuff that you're used to, but to everyone else is just weird. <laughs> yeah. So just considering the history center, um, I've enjoyed, you know, as I, <laughs> so when I first started working there um, in my old office, there was all of this wall space and I was like, I need pictures hanging up. And so um, Nicole, one of my coworkers, um, was like, why don't you just draw something? You're an artist. So I was like, okay, why not? So I went through, or I asked um, someone else, I was like, what should I draw? They were like, draw somebody famous from Oklahoma. And I was like, okay. And then I narrowed it down even further. I was like, I'll draw somebody that's uh, famous for like civil rights or something. Mm-hmm. And so I went with Clara Looper, mm-hmm. who, when I first started working at the History Center, had no idea who she was. Right. Never even heard of her. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll draw her. Why not? And so I drew it and then somebody else saw the picture and was like, Hey, I need you to come to this meeting next week and bring your sketchbook. And I was like, okay. Didn't tell me anything else. So come meeting day, I grab my sketchbook, walk into this meeting and there's like a group of people in there, um, mm-hmm. all black. And they were like, Hey, this is Dana Robinson. She's new to the history center and she has something to show you. So I opened up my sketchbook and showed them a picture of Clara Looper. And everybody was amazed. They were like, oh, my gosh, it looks just like her. You're a talented artist. Um, and then they were like, oh, by the way, this is Marilyn Looper, Claire Looper's daughter. And I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> I was like, OK. And so they kept having meetings because they were getting ready for the anniversary event of the sit-ins um, from Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. And they asked me if I wanted to help out. So I was like, OK, why not? And it ended up I or I ended up creating a website for the Claire Looper Legacy Committee um, so that they have a, I noticed they didn't have a really large reach to anybody in Oklahoma City, except for people they knew from church or their friends mm-hmm. that they grew up with. So I was like, they need something else. So I created this website and now there are people all over the, the country and even in some you know, overseas states that now have visited the website to learn about Clara Looper. And so I'd probably say that's probably the biggest my my biggest happiness, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. Yeah, no, I understand. So that's really cool. Center. That's really neat. And then um, talking with some other people, there is a a, a children's coloring book for African-Americans uh, or about uh-huh. African-Americans online. And I looked through it. I was not happy with what I saw. And so like some of the pictures look like they were drawn by somebody that shouldn't be drawing. <laughs> <laughs> so me, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Um, no, sorry. No. <laughs> um, I mean, it was great. It was awesome. Thanks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking it upon myself to create a new coloring book that can be posted online and 
um, eventually, if we get like a grant for it, we want to actually print a coloring book um, mm-hmm. for African-American history. And then knowing that, um, the education department asked me if I could do a multicultural one. So, you know, of all the different um, groups that are in Oklahoma, they want to have a coloring book represented for kids. That's so that's fantastic. awesome, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, you're putting, you know, your art major to use and you had no, mm-hmm. you know, all those years yep. ago that you'd be coming in handy now. That's yep. awesome. And I'm also working on a revision of Claire Looper's book, um, Behold the Walls, mm-hmm. that was written back in the 70s. Um, I'm working with Dr. Carlos Hill from OU and our ex-executive director, Dr. Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, well, and Larry O'Dell, he's, uh, he's doing the photos, like searching for photos and stuff. Um, but I'm working with them on doing a revision that will be the, the readability will be better. And, um, they're going to add in things that are happening today, like, um, the murder of George Floyd and the civil mm-hmm. rights stuff that's going on now. So they want to appeal to today's audience. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm doing all the research on the people and places and mm-hmm. everything that's in the book. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Dr. Bob is quite a prolific author. He's written a yes. ton of books. Yes, he is. A ton of books. <laughs> and he's probably forgotten more about Oklahoma history than most Oklahomans will ever know. Yeah, I was going to say more than I'll ever know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is a wealth of knowledge of our state. Just, it's just always- that knowledge when he retired was a loss. But yes. Um, but, you know, like with. Dr. Bob, he could always, if you ask him about anything, you know, history related, he could just pull it out of thin air and tell you everything about it. I have learned that trait is almost the exact, well, maybe not the exact same, but Mm -hmm. he is on another level when it comes to knowing things about Oklahoma history. Um, Like the other day he was talking to um, a person in his office and he was telling them about Pawnee Bill and the site that we have. Mm -hmm. And just off the top of his head, he was telling them every year, all the names. And I was just like, that's amazing. I was like, I could never do that. I was like, give me my notes. Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of, one of the things I take umbrage with, and it's not teacher's fault. I don't think Oklahoma history is taught enough to children in Oklahoma. A semester in ninth grade is not sufficient. No. And um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you leave and, you know, a semester you can't cover mm-hmm. 50 years in a semester, really, let alone, you know. <laughs> the whole uh, of the state leading back to Trail of Tears, if you wanted to. It, it's just not adequate, in my opinion. Well, so, you know, I, like I said, I worked at the Route 66 Museum. Mm-hmm. Now, Weatherford is on Route 66. Right. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about Route 66 when I you know, went to school there, when I was working out there. And then, or I mean, before I worked at the Route 66 Museum. And so I did my own research to learn everything I could, at least about the Oklahoma stretch. And that was when I first learned about the Tulsa race massacre. Cause I had right. never heard about it before. Yeah. Uh, I, I never heard about that in school either. And it kind of pisses me off. Cause that's yeah. one of the most important yet horrific things in the history of our nation. Exactly. And the fact that they just, that Oklahoma history is not taught well enough to, you know, point out these things. I mean, that's just sad for our education system. Yeah. But, and even nationally, uh, that's not really taught. Most mm-hmm. people heard about it was from the Watchmen series yes. on yep. HBO. And people are like, was this real? And it's like, yes. Speaking of which, when Watchmen came out, 
That was the first time I'd ever heard of Bass Reeves. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. These are the Long Rangers of based off of. I found that out because I was like, yeah. who is this dude in the film? And they're like, oh, that's Bass Reeves. I was like, who? And so I looked him up. I was like, oh, he's a real person. He's not just some fictional fictional character in this movie. <laughs> yeah. On um, my other podcast, Kenyatta and Jack Save the World, for February, we're each picking somebody from Black history that you should know about, but don't. Bass Reeves is uh, one of my uh, subjects or who I'm going to talk about because I think he uh, deserves to be brought up, <laughs> you know, more Definitely. than he is. So, so yeah, Kenyatta is going to surprise me with hers, of who she's talking about. We probably should well, tell each other in case we don't do the same person, right? That's true. <laughs> um well, I don't know if you know this, but they're actually going to start a series soon on Bass Reeves. I did not. Like a, That's awesome. Yeah, like a short, like a short six episode, I think, series. Because you know the show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Bass Reeves is going to make an appearance in there, and so oh, that's, that's awesome. going to start his. That's going to start his spinoff. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah, they've great. actually already contacted the History Center and Larry and Trait to you know get some information. I didn't know that. That's that's mm-hmm. amazing and great. Yeah, that's. That's awesome. <laughs> but they got a British actor to play him. That doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> David Oye Wolo. I don't know if you know. Yeah, who I know. Is. I know who he is. Um, I believe he played Martin Luther King in Selma. Yeah. And yeah. I'm trying to think of the other movie. Because he was in a fairly large movie in the last five years. Was he not? Yes. Uh, I don't remember what though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, that's that's awesome because he was he was he's way more important towards American history, really, not just Black history, but American history, right? Than than people know, and you know the fact that they somewhat based the Lone Ranger off of him is <laughs> you know mm-hmm. pretty pretty cool. So yeah, no, that's. I guess I'm going to have to get Paramount Network now to get a free trial to watch it when it's all up. Yeah, I always wait until a show is done before I start watching something because I hate waiting every week for the new Yeah, Netflix has ruined us. Yeah. Yeah, I've been watching uh, Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian. You know, there's Disney Plus has only come out once a week, but there were so many stuff online and people talking about it. I was like, no, I have to watch, so. I am the master of ignoring all of that. So yes, I have not watched the book of Boba yet because um, I was waiting for it to finish mm-hmm. before I start, you know, binge watching it, you know, for an entire day. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I do. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been, it's the only kind of marathon I run mm-hmm. our TV exactly. shows. And I think next weekend we're going to, I believe the first six episodes of Ozark came out. So oh. Be... I, that's one I have not seen yet. If you enjoy people doing really bad things, then you should watch it. <laughs> people doing know. horrible things that you don't think would be doing horrible things. <laughs> that's yeah, all I'll I've say. Sh- I've been told I should watch it, so I just it's it's on my list of things to watch. I have a large list of things to watch too, so Same. I understand. Yeah, Same. I got to yeah. let's see. Finish Foundation, watch the last season of The Expanse, mm. finish Watchmen, uh, mm. Lovecraft. Oh, Lovecraft was so good. 
It's on my, I haven't started that one, but it's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. It it was crazy, but good. So yeah, I've, I've got, I got more to watch than I have free time. (laughs) I understand. I completely understand. Yeah. Um, Being on two different podcasts and editing both of them (laughs) takes a surprising (laughs) amount of time. (laughs) I couldn't, I couldn't do it. (laughs) I can barely keep up with, you know, just watching all the shows I want to watch. Right. Yeah. No, I understand. Well, and I also, I also edit for um, an author out of Arizona. Um, whenever her books come out, um, mm-hmm. she'll send me an advanced copy, like me and like 10 other people that are on her launch team. Mm-hmm. And so it's trying to find time to do that also. It's just, just not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Can, can you name drop? Oh yeah. yeah. Her name's CJ Anaya. Okay. And um, it's the misfit series. Like uh, at the very first book was, um, oh, oh my gosh, I'm, drawing a blank right now i've written so many books lately <laughs> um but it is the misfit series um oh my gosh see you you're making me sorry feel like a phony <laughs> well you know if you've done more than one <laughs> um uh my fair assassin oh my okay. gosh yes that's what it's called um and so like all of her books start with my fair something like my fair assassin my fair traitor my fair princess um but they are her books are the language of it is more like how we would talk to each other today. So it's mm-hmm. like you're, so whenever you're reading it, it feels like you're reading somebody or like the voices, I guess you could say that you come up with for the characters. seems like somebody you'd actually be friends with. Right. Yeah. So That's cool. That's helpful. Yeah, yeah. Her, her writing style is awesome. It's on point. Yeah. I went to a, uh, a friend, her mother had passed away and I went to the funeral. And it was my first time going to a Mormon funeral. And I had no idea that when they prayed, it was in the original King James version wording. And so, you know, it was like, she was a great mom. She was, you know, a great grandmother. She was an amazing this and amazing that. Let us pray. Oh, art thou father. And I was like, I think. I think God can understand you in modern, <laughs> modern talk. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't want to get me started on the whole religion kick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not dogging my Mormon, Mormon friends, just pointing it out there that as someone that grew up evangelical, that was a bit weird for me. <laughs> I'm actually in the process of reading the Bible as we speak. So I've read it three times. The entire Front thing. Back. Yep. Oh my gosh. How? It's like every page that I read or every passage that I read, I'm like, I have questions. I have so <laughs> many questions. Yeah, no, I I understand. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I, I've the last time I read it, it took me, I think, six months. Oh wow. The first the first two times, I want to say each time was over a gear. Maybe, maybe yeah. the third time, because I'd already read it twice. I you know, read it faster. But anyway. Me personally. I am agnostic, but, you know, I, I can't, I can't rule out, you know, what could be out there because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, and so I've read up on uh, Buddhism, paganism, um, Guyanism, uh, Hinduism. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was like, you know what? I live in a majority Christian based country yeah, I was like, I've never read the Bible. I should probably read that so I can get an understanding of what you know everybody's talking about. Yeah, I mean, like I know, the, I know the gist of it, but so that's why I'm. Yeah, we live the in Bible. the buckle 
of the Bible yes. Belt. Yes, we do. <laughs> but, um, you know, not to like, I was briefly Catholic in basic training because mm-hmm. it was one church building, but multiple service. And you got mm-hmm. free time after church and the Catholics went first. So you got an extra hour and 15 minutes of free time. Hilarious. So by the end, we had almost all converted <laughs> to Catholicism. That is too funny. And the first time they did uh, communion, mm-hmm. once again, I grew up evangelical and it's grape juice when you do communion. Imagine my surprise <laughs> when it was real wine mm-hmm. and when you're expecting Welch's. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's yeah, I went quite to the a shock. <laughs> I went to a Catholic church for about three years in high school because my best friend, mm-hmm. again, she was Catholic, like her and her family. So whenever I would stay the night with them on the weekends, every Sunday morning, we get up, go to church. So it was like that was my Catholic uh, experience, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> you know, went there. Um, there was a wedding. One of my friends got married there, which I found out how long Catholic weddings are. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of kneeling. Yes. And standing um, and kneeling. Yes. Um, so like I, and like I said earlier, I sang in the Methodist choir when I was in elementary school. Um, I went to the Presbyterian church, went to the Baptist church, Church of the Zion, I believe is the one that was out there also, and Church of the Nazarene. So six different churches in right. my you religious covered your background. Bases. You covered <laughs> right. all bases. And I mean, and I think I'm, I think I ended up agnostic because I was like, they're all saying the same thing, but in different ways. So it's basically mm-hmm. be a good person. Don't be, you know, evil to other people. It's all the same thing. So it's like, how do I know which one's right? Right. So I'm just like, I, I was like, I know I'm a good person. I'm, you know, doing my best to, I do my best to help others. So I feel like I'm more spiritual than religious. That's but, fine. That's yeah. perfectly fine. I just think that as long as you remember, everybody's going through something. Exactly. And just because somebody is maybe jerky to you in that particular moment doesn't necessarily mean that that they're a jerk. Mm -hmm. Now, if you meet someone six times and they're an asshole five out of the six, that might be the theme. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I just try to remember people are going through stuff and everybody basically wants the same thing. You want Mm -hmm. your kids to do well and have, you know, their needs and wants met. You want the same thing unless, you know, there are exceptions, obviously I'm talking as a whole, but But speaking of children, my son also goes to a private school and is Lutheran based. So there's another one to add. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. There's no harm in in that. Education's Mm -hmm. probably... In some parts, probably better than public school. And um, all of their subjects are religion-based, except for math. I I was told that I was like, yeah, he'll still learn. Yeah, he'll learn. Yeah. He'll learn what he needs to. Math is pretty universal. Yes. So anyway, well, is there anything else you want to share about your life growing up? Good, bad, whatever. I was actually just having this conversation the other day with my boyfriend about what it was like for him growing up versus me growing up. Mm -hmm. And we honestly had two completely different childhoods, which is crazy Mm -hmm. how we, you know, two different 
experiences in life and we still ended up in the same place. Right. Um, like he was talking about how many times he's been pulled over mm-hmm. by the cops when he's not speeding, used his turn signal, not doing anything bad. They just pulled him over because it was basically driving while black. Right. And since he's been in Oklahoma City, which has not been that long, he's probably been pulled over at least two dozen times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And but he never gets a ticket. They're mm-hmm. just pulling him over to make sure that he's, you know, I guess, OK, if you want to say that. Yeah. And then me, I've probably been pulled over three times in my entire life. And one was like, you know, my tag light was out. Um, my license plate, which I had, you know, when we got the new license plates that switched to the bird. Yeah. From the old one with the shield. I couldn't get the old one off, so I put the new one in the window, and they were like, oh, it's illegal to have two have licenses two. showing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'll try to get the other one off. He's like, okay, have a good day. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and when I tell, oh, and the third one was, uh, my tags were expired, but I had just had Grayson, my son, and so I hadn't had time to get to the tag office because he was at the NICU for three weeks. Hmm. So, yeah, um, that was rough. <laughs> but I can imagine. <laughs> But, uh, so all of my experiences, oh, and with the tag, with the tag being expired, he, uh, the police officer was like, well, you know, I see that you're, you know, I still have my hospital visitor tag on. He's like, okay, you know, just as soon as you can go ahead and get your tags done. And, um, you know, we'll just, you know, just a warning for right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at that time, uh, my son's father was with me. And when I told him, he because I turned off, as soon as I saw the lights in my rearview mirror, I turned off onto a side street. And he was like, how? Or he's like, why are you pulling over? I was like, there's a cop behind me pulling over. And he's like, what? What? Why is there um, a cop pulling us over? And um, I was like, he, yeah. and I was like, like, he just started freaking out. He was like, why are you so calm right now? And I was like, it's just a cop. He's just, you know, there's probably something going on. I was like, I'm not worried about it. He goes, I'm, he's like, no, I can't be here. I can't be here. I'm like, it's just a police officer. You know, it's like the experiences he has had um, with the police have been all bad. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't imagine or even fathom feeling that way against police officers. I mean, even my right. boyfriend, he was a, he was an MP in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, I feel very lucky and blessed to mm-hmm. live the life that I had. Yeah. And I just, as like, whenever, uh, George Floyd was murdered, like all of the, you know, everything started coming to light. And I realized that I did not know anything about mm-hmm. the life of a black person. And so it's like, I feel like my perception on people has changed from, when I was in college to where I am now. Right. Um, yeah. Now I don't think bad about anybody, you know, like, you know, there's the whole blue lives matter movement and like, no matter what, I was like, I will still support police officer. But um, if that police officer is caught doing something that they shouldn't be doing, then yeah, they need to be taken off the force, mm-hmm. but yeah. I'm not going to assume that every one of them is bad. Um, and just like, I've never really had a big problem with, anybody being racist towards me i mean there's been a couple Mm -hmm. of instances but it was not like a big a big moment in my life or anything and but when i talk to other people they assume that you know everybody's racist Mm -hmm. and i'm just like i don't i don't understand what happened in your life to get to that point so 
Right. I don't know. I think I'm just, I think I'm just rambling right now. <laughs> no, it's all right. I understand. One of the things when the, you know, George Floyd was in the national spot, like, like it was when it happened mm-hmm. as it should have been was so many of like white people that I knew would be like, well, you know, he had a record. So that doesn't mean you can lean on someone's neck for nine minutes. Exactly. If, if you had a record, would you be cool with that? If your son had a record and the mm-hmm. cop, you know, and then afterwards they're like, well, your son had a record. You would probably be pretty pissed if all they had to do is handcuff him and put him back in the car. Exactly. At that point, you know, you don't lean on someone's juggler like that for that long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was that was infuriating. <laughs> and so well, and it's like, and it feels like kind of like a catch-22, the whole black people versus cops. It's like if you are raised thinking that a black person is automatically a thief or criminal or mm-hmm. whatever, you're gonna go and you and you want to become a cop just to you know, stop all that. It's you're going to have your biasness, your prejudice um, against black people. And then I feel that I feel like if a black person is told that you're a criminal, you're a thief all their life, they're like, okay, well, I might as well just give in to what you think I already am. And so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. And I feel like I just like, if we can just realize that everybody is a person and not an evil being, then I think the world would change. But that's just my That's, hope for the future. Well, I'm, there I mean, have, I'm there with well, you. I'm there with you. You know, my son, you know, he's six years old. And so I'm just kind of wondering what he's going to be like, what life's going to be like when he gets, you know, older. Yeah. Hopefully, so. hopefully better. My wife and I were talking about this last night, actually, and how it seems like uh, things have kind of gotten worse sort of in the country between uh, white people and black people. And it's because, the Republican Party has gone completely Ku Klux Klan, but that's a different story. Mm-hmm. And it sort of hit me that maybe it's like when you completely redo in a bedroom or something that it has to get mm-hmm. messier before it can get clean. And yeah, maybe hopes. that's the stage we're in. I don't know. I hope so. I yeah. I'm the it's last like- few years of I have shook my head and said, "What the." F is going on more yeah, it kind than of feels the like, rest of my life. <laughs> it kind of feels like everybody that is on the extreme end of the bell curve is in the spotlight. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, no, for sure. Or, or in, in politics. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. Florida has a bill to have an election police. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bill to have an election enforcement police to, I guess, I don't know, go stand at poll sites. That doesn't sound Joseph Stalin-y at all. Not at all. I mean, so, this, yeah. This no, world. I, <laughs> and yeah. so that's one of the things that doing my podcast with Kenyatta has, has really sort of, I mean, not that I was, I'm not saying I was racist. It's just eye-opening to interact with somebody as frequently as we interact and it's somebody who's not like hating me or whatever and how it, um, I don't know. It's just eye opening. I'm, I'm probably not phrasing it right. You're basically learning about things that are going on in people's lives. Yeah. That you probably didn't think about. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's just because I, I wasn't in a point where or a place where I necessarily had to think about things in a certain way. But what's funny, though, is that I feel the same way and I am black. Right. But, you know, I was just raised in a different area where I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have to deal mm-hmm. with, you know, police hating every black person or get, being worried about getting pulled over um, just because a cop passes by or somebody thinking that you're stealing something when you walk into a store, you know, anything like right. that, you know, I was actually, no, I did experience that once when I was in like in junior high. Oh, that's not <laughs> yeah. Me and, me and my friend who's Hispanic, we were, went into a clothing store and were followed around by one of the workers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's like, we're kids. We're not going to steal anything. It's like, we're two girls. I was like, how often do you have shoplifters in here? <laughs> but, yeah. So whenever I was um, in college, no, it was after college. I was working at the Route 66 Museum. Um, I was looking for just like a little part-time job. And my sister, who knows everybody in the country, I swear, <laughs> um, <laughs> called one of her friends who worked for a um, an insurance company for real estate. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we need somebody to go out and take pictures of these houses, but you have to do it sneakily. Like they can't see you taking pictures of the house. And I was just like, yeah, okay, why not? Now, the places I was sent to, were small towns that were smaller than Weatherford. Mm-hmm. So it was like, um, I had to go out to Thomas to, I think Kingfisher, Watonga, Hinton. And I think that was basically all I did. And all of those towns, I couldn't even tell you if there's a black person that lived there. Right. And so me having to drive my car out there and sit in there and kind of hold my phone up and take pictures of the place. Like that doesn't look suspicious. Right. And so like, even for anybody, but I went to um, this one place in Hinton and took pictures of a trailer. Like there was, nobody was home. So I was just out there taking pictures and I had somebody come up to me in their vehicle and start yelling at me saying, what am I, what are you doing? Why are you out here? This is my friend's house. You don't need to be out here. You need to get out of town or whatever. And I'm just like, I'm just doing my job. They're like, well, what job is that? I was like, actually, I can't tell you what I'm doing. It's just, I'm just doing my job. And so in doing that, you know, when that happened, I was just like, I don't feel comfortable doing this anymore. I mean, I was kind of weary at first. And so I told my sister what had happened and she's like, oh, you would have been fine. I was like, my sister. So my sister has the mentality that just because you're a person of color doesn't mean anything bad's going to happen. Like she's just, that's just how she is. And I was just like, no, I was like. I had an interaction with somebody and there are some crazy people out there and I could get hurt doing this. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, fine. then you know, forget that I try to do you a favor. I was like, it's not even about that. It's like, she just couldn't wrap her mind around that. There are racist people out there. Yeah. Which, which I mean, I was the same way when I was younger. On top of it, you're a female, (laughs) which automatically, you know, sometimes could be dangerous as, as it is. So. I mean, even if I was a man, I feel like it would probably be worse because they would just automatically call yeah. the cops. Yeah. No, you're unfortunately <laughs> probably correct in that. It's just different experiences and kind of seeing what's going on today. I just I hope that the country gets over it and just everybody all gets along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I completely understand. I'm I'm there with you and I'm just tired of being like, oh, my gosh stop being awful Republicans. And I say that as somebody who used to be a Republican. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, one of my best friends from college, we were talking about this latest um, presidential election with Biden and Trump. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I voted for Biden. And she goes, wait, are you a Democrat? I was like, yeah, I am. She goes, oh, I never thought that. So she's a Republican. Mm -hmm. But in the entire, let's see, I'd probably say 18 years that we've known each other. We did not know that about each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, I could not in any way, shape or form support, endorse, be a part of Donald Trump. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, I left immediately. I, I, I've, I felt the same way or, well, let me rephrase that because of the things that Trump did during his time in office or the things he didn't do. Um, this past presidential election was my very first time voting ever. Hmm. Wow. Like I was not, not even registered to vote. Um, I, have, I have hit every election since Dole Clinton. And the only reason that I didn't get uh, the first Bush Clinton is because I was in the middle of basic training. Yeah. And I wasn't able to vote or fill out stuff for an absentee. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, my parents and how we're raised, um, we never talked about politics in the house. Mm-hmm. So it was just never a big, a big deal to like who was in office or, or anything. Um, and in school, you know, you don't, we didn't really learn about anything that mattered mm-hmm. uh, politically, politically. So whenever it came to knowing who was in politics or anything, I'm like, I have no idea. You know, I have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. And of course, people are like, oh my gosh, you're a female and you're black. You're like, you should be the one that's definitely voting. And I'm like, why? You know, mm-hmm. I just never understood why I should be the one to vote. And my, what was I going to say? My, uh, I totally lost track where I was going. <laughs> um, but I never, I never felt the need. And plus, since I, did, since I didn't pay attention to who was in office, I was like, I'm not just going to register to vote, go in there and just pick somebody when I don't know who, what they're all about. I was like, mm-hmm. I'd rather somebody who is um, informed and pays attention to politics to be the one who chooses what's, what's best for this country. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Donald Trump came up for re-election, I was like, nope, I'm going to vote. I was like, I, I definitely yeah. know that I do not want him back in office. I'm there with you. <laughs> I am there with you. And ooh, the last couple of weeks finding out anyway i'm i'm gonna stop that's uh not this episode <laughs> so i'm gonna <laughs> stop right there yeah yeah so well i guess we've we've actually been talking for over an hour now oh, well it, it goes by fast <laughs> <laughs> my my podcast with kenyetta we could probably have a five-hour podcast we just get going and it's <laughs> I'll look and I'm like, oh, we, we've been talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, so. um, as I had mentioned before, I know a few, like for your summer podcast, mm-hmm. I do know some people that are also into sci-fi and movies and anime in case you ever want them as a guest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still a little, little bit off in the distance, but yeah. yeah, definitely would like to have a round table of people to talk about i was kind of wanting to maybe have like myself and three other people just sort of a little different than normal and my first version of that we're going to experiment with 
is who's the better lead singer of Van Halen, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? That I can't answer for you because I did not listen to Van Halen. <laughs> That's fine, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have what probably will be one of the top 10 greatest debates in American history. Mm. You know, Lincoln Douglas, Jefferson Adams, Kennedy, Nixon, this question of who's the best lead singer of Van Halen. Mm. <laughs> we'll make your work for it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, tell no your problem. dad, uh, for, as a veteran, child of a veteran, stepchild of a veteran, <laughs> father of a veteran at this point, um, thank you for his service. Will do. And yeah, we'll, especially I'll since he was advanced. So he was particularly served his country well. <laughs> oh, he's he's been everywhere. He's yeah. He's he started in Virginia and then ended up in Delaware, um, and then oh, and then Altus. <laughs> yeah, but he had he had to do a lot of TDY and stuff too. So yes, yeah. yeah. I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your Saturday. No, uh, not a problem at all. I'd Anytime. Like okay. Yeah. No, for <laughs> sure. We'll have you on when we talk about less serious stuff or more serious, right. depending on your viewpoint when we talk sci-fi stuff later. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, I'm going to hit. Oh, what am I doing? I have an ending. Ugh. All right. I'm going to end the way I end every show. I know that I fail miserably at this, but remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.